Genesis chapter 19, and we'll be very brief in the message uh, that God has laid upon our heart that we preached this morning on the departure of a backslider, and then uh, preached this morning also uh, on the deliverance of a backslider, and then tonight I want to preach a few moments on the destruction of a backslider here in Genesis chapter 19. For the sake of time, we'll pick up reading in verse number 23. The Bible says, The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked toward Sodom, Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. Our Heavenly Father, God, as we bow in your presence, Lord, once again, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank you for the, the Spirit of God that we have felt in this place this evening. We thank you for the songs of Zion, for the testimonies of your people. And I pray, God, we thank you for the offering. I pray that you'll bless both the gift and the giver. Lord, we ask you, if you would now, God, to have your will and have your way. Bless the preaching of thy word these next few moments. And we'll love you and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to preach a few minutes this evening on the subject, the destruction of a backslider, the destruction of a backslider. Now, for the sake of time, if we was to uh, read the early verses of this chapter, and we'll not do that, but if we were to read the early verses of this chapter, you would find out uh, that these early verses deal uh, with basically Lot and three different classifications of people. First of all, uh, there's Lot and the angels in verses one through three as the angels uh, come into the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot uh, opens his doors and brings them into his home. And then in verse number four down to verse number 11, uh, we see about Salat and the Sodomites. As we know that uh, the Sodomites come to the door and they, they demand that Lot uh, release these angels to come out into the street uh, that they might do much wickedness with them. And then finally in verse number 12 down to verse number 14, there is Lot and his family. As Lot tries to be a witness before his son-in-laws in verse number 14 and, and uh, warn them of the destruction, uh, that the angels has told them that would come upon the city. But it's interesting in verse number 14 that the latter part of that verse says, but he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. In other words, Lot had not lived a Christian life. He had not he had not, be, not lived godly and righteous in front of them. And so when he began to talk about spiritual things, uh, it was awkward. It was, uh, it was different to them. And he seemed as one that would mock them because he was saying one thing, but yet he was living another way. You know, we see a lot of that today, don't we? There's a lot of people that they know how to talk spiritual. They know the lingo. They know the language. Uh, and they can say things that on the surface, uh, it looks like they know God. It looks like they'll say things, you know, like all things work together for good. They'll talk about prayer and they'll talk about trusting in God. But the only problem with that is when you look at their life, their life doesn't match what they're saying. Amen. Even our Lord made that statement 
Amen. When he said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? So even these wicked son-in-laws realized uh, uh, that though Lot was trying to warn them, he didn't live like a Christian or live like a, a righteous man. So therefore, they didn't have any faith in what he was saying. I want to stop and say to every one of us, uh, it's a reminder that we ought to live for God all the days of our life uh, because there may come a time when you and I have an opportunity to witness to our loved ones in a way like we never would before. And can I tell you what's going to make the difference in that moment is how we have lived our life. Amen. It's not what we say, but it's how we live and the things we've done that's going to speak louder than our words. Amen. And so when we come to verse number 15, down to verse number 17, there's the firmness of these angels. As the Bible says, that when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, isn't that interesting? The men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, and the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. We see the firmness of these angels here. As we notice that Lot is still lingering. I mean, he's been given a solemn warning. He's been given a solemn witness, but yet Lot is still lingering. You know, when people get out of the will of God and they backslide on God, it's like they just never can get the message sometimes. I mean, even if an angel himself comes and delivers the message, you would think that would urge Lot to, to somehow want to move in the, in the right direction, but yet the Bible says he lingered, amen? Can I tell you tonight, don't linger when God speaks to your heart. Don't sit around and wait. I'm telling you, when you hear the, the Holy Ghost speak to your heart, you need to respond right then, amen? When you're in a service and God deals with you about something, don't look around and see who's gonna make the first move. Don't look around and see, well, is anybody else gonna go to the altar? Don't stop and think, well, I'll just hesitate and wait till the second verse. No, be so sensitive and be so surrendered to the Spirit of God that the very moment you hear His voice, uh, you respond to the message and heed what He would say to your heart. I see the firmness. I see the fear. In verse number 18, there's Lot. Uh, the Bible says, he said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and this is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. You see, See, Lot uh, uh, is begging this angel, uh, these angels here, uh, to allow him to go down to this little uh, city or this little village of Zor uh, that was on the outskirt of, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah. I mean, listen, he's got the world so much in his heart and so much in his life that even though he knows that destruction is about to fall upon it, he still wants to be as close to it as what he can get. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? How that oftentimes when people, even though they may not see the end, but they can look around and they can see God's hand of destruction, they still long for this world. The Bible said, love not the world, neither the things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the world, but is of the is not of the Father, but is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. There's been much sung and said tonight about being in the center of God's will. Uh, there's been uh, much said tonight about doing the will of God. And can I tell you, you and I have got to be careful that we don't open our heart to this world. Amen. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved and how long you've been serving God. Uh, uh, listen, it's very easy easy to develop a passion for some of the things that are in this world and friend it'll lead you down a road of destruction amen so I see here the fear he did not want to go to the mountain the fury in verse number 23 God begins to pour out his wrath the sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zor then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and the fire from the Lord out of heaven and he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities that which grew upon the ground so God is raining down his fury he's raining down fire and brimstone. God is a God of mercy and he's a God of grace and he's a God of love as we've heard tonight but he's also a God of wrath and he's a God of judgment and the same hand that will extend mercy and the same hand that will extend grace is also the same hand that will bring down the hammer of God's judgment in our life if we backslide on him. Amen. We have to be careful we don't wander from God. Drifting is something that can easily happen in the life of a believer. The mistake that some people make is that, well, they'll say, I've been serving God for a certain amount of years. I've prayed my prayers, I've read the Bible, I've lived for God, so I'm beyond that point. But can I tell you something? As the songwriter said, he said, prone to wonder, Lord God, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Can I tell you there's always, uh, uh, there is always potential in every one of us in this flesh that we live in that if we're not careful, we could wander from God at any moment. You think about Noah, 600 years old, built the ark, preached the, a preacher of righteousness, stood for God when the whole world had turned upon God and the Bible said that the whole world was full of wickedness and evil but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and he stood for what was right in a world that had gone wrong but I'm telling you listen just one chapter over he starts building altars he starts planting vineyards and you know what happens Noah gets drunk and he's naked in his tent door and sin hits his home and listen his life is never mentioned again he lives 350 more years but we do not know anything thing about those 350 years. Uh, did he finish them out living for God uh, or did he waste them away? We don't really know uh, because the Bible doesn't say. But what it does tell us uh, is that a man that's 600 years old and that has walked with God and lived for God can still uh, get out of the will of God. Amen. You've never served God that's so long that you're not to the place and I'm not to the place that we cannot backslide. So we think about tonight we see here the fatality. Notice the Bible said in verse number 25, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. What about Lot's wife? She fastened, he lifted his eyes upon the well-watered plains. The Bible says she lifted her eyes as she looked back to Sodom. As the world was being destroyed, it was still in her heart to go back to the world. 
as the fury of God's wrath and hellfire was, was raining down upon it, she still had a longing to go back to the world as wicked and as, 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 as terrible as it was at that very moment. She would rather be in Sodom as to be find the mercy of God. And can I tell you, when people get out of the will of God, they don't think about God's mercy. They don't think about God's grace. They don't think about God's blessings. Amen. I'm telling you, listen, it's just the mercy of God that when somebody backslides that God even lets them get up the next morning. Amen. It's the grace of God that when they go throughout their day in their backslidden state, that God still holds back the evil forces of hell and God extends his hand of grace and continually gives them a witness and an opportunity. I'm telling you, if you're here this evening and you're backslid, you ought to get in the altar and get right with God. God's given his mercy and his grace and you ought to do something with it this evening. Don't leave in the shape you're in, but do business with God. Don't backslide, amen. So a preacher, it's a four o'clock evening service. You never know who's gonna backslide in church. That's one thing I've seen down through the years and I'm sure you could testify to that. It's a, it's a discouraging thing at times, but we don't focus on those that have fallen. We pray for them, but there's still ones that are being faithful. But I'll tell you, listen, people have sung in the choir, taught Sunday school, preached in a pulpit, and walked away from it all. You don't never know who's going to backslide. And that's a warning to my own soul this morning, or this evening, and to yours, that outside the grace of God, we're all capable of going in that direction. And can I tell you, I don't want to be like Lot's wife. I don't want to be a casualty in the work of God. I don't want to be a fatality. Amen. As she looked back, it was a look of no faith. She really didn't believe what the angels had told her or she wouldn't have looked back. As wicked and sorry as low down as Lot had been, there was enough faith in Lot's heart to know that he better not turn back and look or he would be a pillar of salt. But what about his wife? Maybe she never even came to the point of faith, a true faith where she believed God. And so she's lost forever in eternity because she looked back. She shunned the mercy of God. Oh, hear me this afternoon. When God extends his hand of mercy, don't turn him away. If God reaches out and speaks to your heart about something in your life, you say, preacher, I'm saved, and that's wonderful. But don't backslide. A man came to my office not too long ago, a few months ago, and as he walked in, I met with him to talk with him about something. As he walked in, the first thing he said was, preacher, I'm saved. I said, well, we're going to find out. I said, because I didn't come to talk to you about your salvation. But I said, if you're saved, if you continue to live the way you're living, you'll not get by with it. You know something, if you're saved tonight, you can get away from God. You can do everything after you get saved that you were capable of doing before you got saved. The only problem is you'll never enjoy it after you get saved like you did before you got saved. You can drink alcohol, you can smoke dope, but it won't taste the same. Listen, it won't, it won't give the same kind of high. It won't do the same thing. I mean, there may be some pleasure in it for some season, but that season can run out very quickly. It run out very quickly in the life of Lot. And what we're seeing here is that his wife, uh, uh, what an awful tragedy that she, uh, that she lost her life. Uh, I wonder if it could have been prevented had Lot lived differently, had he never moved his family to Sodom. I would say to every father, 
father here uh, this evening. Be careful. You're the leader, the spiritual leader of that home. God has placed the responsibility upon your shoulders uh, uh, to be the man of faith, uh, to be the priest of your own home. Uh, you're to be a man that, that leads your family in the right direction. And we're living in a society uh, where a lot of times men just take a back seat and turn everything over to the women. And can I tell you, I thank God for women uh, that will stand up and will carry on, but it was never meant for a woman to be the breadwinner, for her to have to bear the financial load. It was never meant for a woman to have to make all the major decisions in the home. A woman needs a spiritual man that'll get a hold of God and pray and will lead her in the right direction. That was God. That is God's order. And if you want to be blessed, I want to say to every husband, you and I have a responsibility to walk with God all the days of our life. Amen. Our decisions are not just our decisions, but they affect everyone that's in our household. It's just me and my wife now. There was a time when I was very sad about that. Whenever, uh, whenever my first daughter got married, when she moved, when Noel moved out, boy, I was so sad. Cried like a baby. Now don't look so spiritual if it ain't happened to you. If I'd have had boys, I'd probably run them out. They'll eat you out of house and home. And I'll tell you when she moved, uh, and you know what? She did the worst thing. She's back there, so I can say this. She did the worst thing possible. She wrote a letter to me and her mother. I was doing okay, Brother Lamb. Went through the whole wedding, you know, strong and breaking up inside. But you know, I, I strong, holding it all together. And then we get in the car, and her mother said, hey, she's wrote us a letter. I said, don't read that right now. She said, why not? I said, there's people in the parking lot. I said, if I'm going to boo-hoo and ball, I want to do it in the privacy of my own home. Amen. And, she, and, and, then, and then when my youngest daughter, when Celeste got married and she moved out, I made a mistake one night. It was probably the first or second night after she got married. I started up the steps because I'd always go up and check on and turn the light. I started the steps and I realized she wasn't there. What was sad moment. Now I've kind of got used to the peace and quiet I kind of like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know what? Things change, don't they? I thought about there's a lot of times when they were growing up and I'm not telling you I did everything right because I didn't. There's regrets and I think every parent to some degree there's things we wish we could go back and redo. There's things I wish I could have reinforced a little bit more. There's things that I wish I could have just changed or maybe just you have a different outlook on things and that's the way life is but I can tell you there's a lot of times whenever it seemed like hell would turn the pressure up and the flesh would start getting a little bit weak. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit would speak to my heart and he'd say, listen, you better make sure you stay the course. You better make sure you stay in the right way. You got eyes that are looking at you. They're fixing to make some of the biggest decisions of their life and you better make the right decision now or you'll turn them down a course that they can't turn back on. I know there's grace and I know there's mercy. But I'm telling you, some children, some youth never even had a chance because their mom and their dad never gave them the opportunity that they had had they lived for God. I wonder what their children could have been. Amen. Can I just be honest with you? This is not an indictment on anyone that's here. It's just a fact. The day that we're living in, and maybe it was always this way, but it's more prevalent now than it's ever been. You have more trouble. Used to, we just burnt the hide of teenagers up, and we all still, we all still burn their hide up. Amen, back here. Can I tell you something? 
for the most part, teenagers, if you just say, go do this, they'll go do that. It's the adults that you have problems with nowadays. Are y'all with me? Don't y'all get mad at me, okay? I'm just telling you the truth. I'm telling you, I've watched more young people that could have made it for God. They had the potential. They, they just needed, the, they, they had the heart. They could have went in the right direction. The problem was mom and dad didn't want to sell out. Mom and dad didn't want to pay the price. And mom and dad got nervous uh, when they saw their children in the altar and they saw them going down there and making commitments to God. Mom and dad got nervous. So, well, wait a minute. Uh, they're going a little bit further than even what I want to go. And I've seen it and you have too. They'll pull them out and take them somewhere else. You know what? Why? Because they're too afraid. What if their children get more sold out than what they are? So you know what they do? They pump the world. They pump a lot of things into them. They show them all these, uh, these great things to do. Why? In an attempt to pull them just a little bit away. I'm going to tell you, well, there's coming a reckoning day for all of that. We're going to stand before God. I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of tears. It's going to be shed by a lot of moms and dads. Their children blew their, broke their heart and messed their life up and blew things all to pieces. But it didn't start with their children. It started back when mom and dad decided they weren't going to pay the price that they were supposed to pay. You want your children to live for God? You got to live a dedicated life. I got to live a dedicated life. Brother Gravely, if you always lived, I've tried. I'm not going to tell you I've been everything I ought to be. But I can tell you this much. When I've done wrong, I told my children that I was wrong told them I repented before God that I was sorry. I, I didn't get out of no deep, dark, gross sin. I think you know that. There's times I, I lost my temper. Anybody here? Don't have to raise your hand. It's 100%. <laughs> Anybody lost their temper today? <laughs> but you know what? There's times I lost my temper and I had to go back and say, you know what? I'm sorry. I shouldn't have got that mad about something. You say, why, why did you do that? Because I didn't want them to follow that path. I reckon it would be better for them. They already see the flaw. They already know it's there. Why not? They just, they, they just need to learn that when you make the mistake, just do the right thing when you make the mistake. I mean, they're going to see flaws in our life. We can't put a, a mask of religion on it. They'll see right through that. I'll tell you, it will mean something to them when they see you get right with God. I think it would do some young people good to see their parents repent. Uh, and just imagine, And I think I'm preaching to the choir, but it still ought to be preached. Amen? I need to be reminded, hey, if me and my wife get crossed up, the best thing to do is for her to apologize. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> that makes everything right. I told her, I said, I learned... We've been married 27 years this, this past week. I said, I've learned in 27 years you can either be right or you can be happy, and I just soon be happy. <laughs> I don't have to win, amen, as long as I get a, a good, good meal at the end of the day and, and a good place to sleep. That's what every inmate gets. Somebody say amen right there. <laughs> you know what? I don't want to backslide. I have a fear of that. I have a fear even as a preacher. I don't want to backslide. A.W. Tozer said the only way to really keep from backsliding is to constantly pursue God. If we're not pursuing Him, we're going in the wrong direction. Talking about the destruction of a backslide. I thought about this. It would be terrible, terrible testimony, terrible tragedy in lots of life. The Bible said in verse number 28 that 
Abraham got up early, verse 27, in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. What about this? Abraham had a place where he stood before the Lord. A prayer place. A personal place. No doubt what kept Abraham in his place was that place he stood before the Lord. If you're on a backslide, all you got to do is nothing. Just don't read, don't pray. Don't have a personal walk with God. The devil, he don't want you drinking and smoking and doping. All he wants to do is get you to not pursue God. He wants you to get so busy that you don't have time for personal devotion. He wants you to quit reading if it's four chapters or two chapters or I don't know what your, your, your systematic reading is every day, but he just gets you out of that somehow, some way. Just quit taking counsel from the, from the book every day. Things just get you to, uh, just so busy and so wrapped up in, in something, anything. I mean, listen, it could be your job. It could be your family. It could be working around the house. Uh, it could be, isn't it amazing in a pandemic how there's so much to do? Can somebody say amen right there? I'll tell you something. That honeydew list was a lot longer than I thought it was. It never ends, does it? But you know what? The devil say to you sometimes, oh, you don't have time. You don't have time to stand in the place. Abraham got up early in the morning. That's a, another interesting fact. Early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and behold, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass that when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow. I want to stop and say this as she gets us a, a song ready. If you think about the last verse that I read, think about this. And God remembered Abraham. Brother David, let's say the congregation. And God remembered Abraham. I'm talking about the destruction of a backslide. Think about this for just a minute. What would have happened if Abraham would have said to Lot in chapter number 13, well, Lot, I'm just going to go with you. If you're going to the well-watered plains of Jordan and over there next to Sodom, if that's where you're going, I think there's room enough. I'm just going to go with you. It looks pretty good. What would have happened if Abraham would have followed Lot in that direction? I'll tell you what would have happened. There would have been nobody to pray at Lot out of Sodom. Had Abraham went that path, they both would have died in Sodom under the judgment of God. But because Lot was spared, not because of Lot, but he was spared because of the prayers of his uncle. I want to tell you, we ought to live for God. Don't backslide because there's a, a lot of reasons not to backslide, but I want to tell you why you don't need to backslide and why I don't need to backslide. It's because there's people in all of our lives, they need our prayers, amen. I need the prayers of others, but there's others that, that needs my prayers. I pray for my grandchildren every morning. I probably pray more earnestly for them than my own children. I pray for my children every morning, but I think life has a way that when your grandchildren come along and you look at you just see life differently, don't you? I think you see some of the times you should have prayed even harder for your children. So it makes you pray more for your grandchildren. 
When I pray for them every morning, it's a repetitious prayer. I mean, not to say that I wouldn't pray differently as the Lord would direct, but I always pray the same thing. I pray for their salvation first of all. I pray, God, would you save them at the age of accountability for their spirituality. Lord, help them grow in the nurture, the admonition of the Lord. I pray for their safety. God, keep them safe. Lord, keep them from sin and from Satan for their spouse that they would marry in the perfect will of God when that day comes in their life. Pray for their service and surrender that they'd serve God all the days of their life. Every time it seems like I pray that prayer, the Holy Spirit reminds me. You've got a lot of reasons to stay right. You've got a lot of reasons. I know their, their parents pray for them, but the sole responsibility for not get me. I want to ask you this question as we stand. Can your children, can your grandchildren, can your spouse, can they depend on you to pray for them? Are you in shape to pray for them tonight? I'm not saying that we, we have to confess our sins daily. But I, I'm asking tonight, are you where you need to be at with God so that you can pray for them? Our heads are bowed for just a moment as you play softly. How about it tonight? If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, would you not even hesitate? Let Him do something in your life if He speaks to you tonight. You don't have to come because I'm giving this invitation. I don't want you to feel that way, but... If he talks to you, well, you ought to come tonight. You ought to do business with him. If you're here and you've, you've strayed, you've wandered from God, this should be the time to draw nigh to him. Say, preacher, I'm not out in deep, dark, gross sin, but I'll be honest with you. Through all that we've been through these last several weeks, I'm really not spiritually where I ought to be at. Why don't you come do something about it? Do business with him. Let God help you. Amen. Let God work in your life. Just a simple look in Lot's life is where it took him down the path, the wrong path. Just a simple look in all of our life can take us down the wrong path. Brother David's going to sing, and as he sings, if you need to come,